grateful to the Lord God Almighty. Father, we just welcome your presence to where we are because we are the church. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise that your presence is mighty. It's awesome. It's holy. And we bless you tonight, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that you are reaching down and touching us and strengthening us. And Lord, we give you thanks and praise that you've given us the victory. You cause us to triumph in all things over every enemy. And Lord, we trample on every serpent and scorpion and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt us. You're so good and gracious, Lord. We lift up your name. And I thank you, Father, that you are mighty and powerful and awesome. And we bless you and praise you and give you all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. And we're so glad that uh, we can join together this way. I was thinking about how many rooms in people's homes have been converted to studios and uh, different things. And you know what? Uh, we're resilient. Uh, we uh, overcome and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us in the name of Jesus. I want to just talk to you tonight uh, about, you know, it is, it's time for a miracle. You know, miracles are not anything new. There have been miracles throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, uh, prophets, prophets performed miracles. Uh, God moved by his sovereignty according uh, to miracles. And uh, it's time for a miracle. And I know that uh, many of you that are watching, I just want to uh, say this, you know, um, we're so appreciative of our church family that has faithfully uh, supported and given. And uh, you can give to VCF. You can do it uh, online through our website, through PayPal. Uh, that's one way to do it. You can send your gifts in the mail. That's another way to do it. You can also bring your gifts to VCF and you can put them in an envelope and slide them through the door and they'll go into a box. And that's also another way uh, that you can do that. And we appreciate the giving that people have done because your seed, our seed, can, is one way that we are connected to God. Our seed, our giving, is how we honor God. It's a way of showing him love, honor, and respect. It's a way that we worship him. So our seeds that we give to God are very important. They're important for our lives. You know, God takes your seed and he multiplies it and causes it to abound. So don't stop giving your seeds, okay, your tithes and your offerings. And, um, but let's get back to the message. You know, it's time for a miracle. There's never been a time for a miracle. It's right now. America needs a miracle. The people who currently aren't working, they need a miracle. You know, families, I'm sure, need a miracle. And uh, miracles are not anything new, but they're, they're just things that it's what God does. And in Mark 16, 
verses 19 to 20, the Bible says the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. And they, talking about the disciples, they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord kept working with them and confirming the message by the attesting signs and wonders, miracles that closely accompanied it. Amen. So as they preached the gospel, God performed miracles to show people who he was, to show that the disciples were sent by him, and to show that he is real. All right? So here's one thing that I want to say. Preaching wakes you up. Teaching lifts you up. And prophecy shakes and stirs you up. And, uh, you know, it's all in the Bible. So they went out preaching the word. God worked with them, confirming his word with signs following. And I believe that we're going to see some miracles here. We're going to see some miracles in the fact that people are going to turn to God in this time. This is a great time to turn to God. This is a great time to uh, get your relationship uh, right with God and to make sure that your relationship with God is strong. All right, so I'm looking for miracles of changed hearts, changed lives. And uh, so um, miracles affect, well, you know, I'm glad that God performs miracles. Now, I'm going to say this, that, you know, miracles, God is a miracle worker, and we just need to attach ourselves to God, all right? Um, so, miracles occur, they remove obstacles, Miracles bring divine support and supply. Miracles give the gospel success. Miracles uh, cause the gospel to have power in men's hearts and lives. God does miracles. You know, in Acts chapter 4, verses 24 through 36, the... Peter and John came back and they told uh, their company what had happened to them uh, after they had gotten the man at the gate, uh, beautiful, healed uh, the lame man. Uh, they performed a miracle. And as they prayed, the Bible says that the place shook. And then after the place shook, they went out performing miracles. When, uh, you know, after Jesus resurrected from the dead, miracles didn't stop because the apostles performed miracles. When Philip went down to Samaria in Acts chapter 8, he performed miracles. He performed signs. There was things that he got the attention. Miracles get the attention of people. Barnabas and Paul did miracles and wonders. And Paul perform miracles. Peter performed miracles. I mean, you know, people wanted to get into the streets just so that Peter's shadow was touching them. 
the Bible didn't say his shadow did anything, but it must have did something to cause people to come out there. Amen? So if we want to have miracles, we just simply need to give God access. And when we give God access, he can access you. Let me say that again. When you give God access, he can access you. And how do we give God access? We come to him. We worship him. We honor him. We uh, obey him. You know, a lot of miracles in the New Testament were people coming to Jesus. And uh, their coming to him caused a miracle to happen. You know, we got to plug into God. He's our power source. He, he can download his stuff into you. You know, in John 15, verse 7, it says an amazing thing. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatsoever you will and it shall be done for you. That's giving access to God so that he can access you. And in verses 1 to 9 in John 15, it says remain five times. That's pretty impressive. So God's trying to get a message across to us. And uh, I want to talk about a miracle that happened with Jesus and the disciples. I'm, I'm going to read it and then we're going to talk about it. And if you want to follow along in your Bibles or your devices, you can follow along in Mark chapter 6, verses 46 to 52. The Gospel of Mark chapter 6, verses 46 to 52. After he had taken the leave of them, he went into the hill to pray. Now, when evening had come, the boat was out in the middle of the lake. And I want to just say something before we continue reading. This was directly following after he fed the 5,000. Okay? So, Jesus told his disciples to get into the boat, and Jesus then dispersed the crowd after feeding the 5,000, and then he went up to pray while the disciples were going across the lake. Okay? So, uh, when evening had come, the boat was out in the middle of the lake, and he was by himself on the land. So the disciples were in the middle of the lake, Jesus was on land and he was praying. Having seen that they were troubled and tormented in their rowing, for the, the wind was against them, about the fourth watch of the night, or somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., he came to them walking directly on the sea, and they thought he was a ghost. Actually, um, he acted as if, if he was going to pass by them. But they saw him walking on the sea, and they thought it was a ghost, and raised a deep shriek of terror. Ah! <laughs> For they, they all saw him and were agitated or troubled with fear or dread. But immediately... He talked to them and said, take heart, I am, stop being afraid. 
were alarmed. He went up into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. It sank to rest as if exhausted of its own beating. They were astonished exceedingly beyond measure, for they had failed to consider or understand the teaching or the meaning of the miracle of the loaves and fish. In fact, their hearts had grown callous and become dull and had lost the power of understanding. Okay? So, um, you know, they were in this boat, and when they were in the middle of the boat, you know, a storm rose up. It's kind of like what we're living in now. A storm has risen up. And we're kind of in the middle of it, okay? And uh, this all happened while Jesus was praying on the hills. He wasn't anywhere close to them. And the evening had come, and, uh, you know, what do you do when you're in the midst of the storm and Jesus isn't there? You ever think about that? Now, Jesus is always with us. But sometimes we forget that he's with us. You know, I noticed that these disciples, when the wind came against them, they weren't praying, they were rowing. They were trying to solve their, their natural problem doing human toil. And they weren't praising, they weren't praying, they weren't calling out to God. They weren't confessing, they weren't declaring anything. They weren't taking any spiritual action. They just continued to row. You know, I would think that if you're in the midst of the storm, that you would at least call on God. You would at least say, God, help. But the Bible didn't say that they did that. They were just rowing, and every time they rowed, they weren't going anywhere. It's like kind of having your car stuck in the mud and just your tires spinning and spinning, and you're not making any progress. So... You know what the Bible says when we're not taking any spiritual action in a problem? It's called dead faith. Faith without works is dead. That's what James chapter 2 tells us. Okay? But here's, I want you to know something. Jesus sees your trouble and your torment that results of your own toil against natural challenges. See, Jesus took notice that his disciples were having trouble. And... What did Jesus do? He started to make his way to them. You know, when God sees you in trouble, he makes his way to you. When he sees that you're struggling, he'll make his way to you. He, he comes to deliver you. He comes to rescue you. He comes to save you. Hallelujah. You know, Matthew Henry said, Sometimes life seems like the wind is against you. And you're not going anywhere. The church is often like a ship at sea, tossed with the tempests and not comforted. We may have Christ for us, yet the wind is against us. No difficulties can hinder Christ's appearance to his people. You know, God has a way of overcoming every challenge. He, has, he can get to you. I want you to know, friend, God can get to you. God can reach you. God can touch you. God can lift you out of any mess, out of any trouble, out of every trial. God's going to lift this country out of this thing right now in the name of Jesus. 
in the most difficult times, Jesus will come directly to you in a supernatural way. Three to six in the morning. Most of us are sleeping then. But the disciples were trying to row across this lake. And they encountered a storm and they weren't going anywhere. They weren't getting anywhere. They weren't making any traction. They weren't having any progress. But you know what they do? They kept rowing, rowing, rowing. <laughs> Jesus knew that they needed some supernatural help. So he came to them. He came walking on the water, the God of miracles. He didn't need a boat. He could walk on the water. Jesus came to his disciples in the most difficult time. Jesus came to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were thrown into the fire. Why? They gave access to God and he accessed them. See, that's the difference. That's the key to having miracles in your life. Not everybody gives access to God so that he can access them. There's a lot of people trying to solve things in their life naturally or by the world's standards or by human standards and they're not turning to God. They're not calling out to God. Jesus acted as if he was going to pass by them. Don't let him pass by you. Cry out. Get his attention. You know, the Bible says whenever you call upon him, he will answer you. Our God is a God who answers his people. So where is your focus in the storm? They saw him. They saw him walking on the water. Where is your focus in the midst of this storm that we're in as a world? Are you focusing on what the news media says? Or are you focusing on what God says? Are you looking for God's presence to come your way? Or are you worried or scared? You know, Jesus doesn't want us to worry. He doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want us to be scared. But we have to focus on him in the midst of the storm. So at first, they thought he was a ghost, and they were afraid. See, they, they didn't expect for someone to come walking on the water to rescue them. And to them, it was like a ghost. But God's presence will come to you speaking a word to you. God came to them. His presence came to them. He walked on the water miraculously, supernaturally. And he said three things. He said, take heart. I am, you know, Jesus said, I am that I am. I am the great I am. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And stop being alarmed and afraid. So God's presence came to him. He came speaking a word to them. The words that he spoke to them were, take heart, I am don't be alarmed or afraid. I want to say that to you tonight. The I am is here. Don't be alarmed. Don't be afraid about what's going on. Because we need to take heart. Strengthen yourself in God. Amen. When God speaks, we have to say, yes, Lord. And then we have to act appropriately. 
Now, the disciples here, they didn't know what to do. See, God's presence will join you in trouble. He's a very present help in trouble. How am I going to get an income? You're going, you're going to get it through God. God will make a way. He makes a way where there is no way. When he comes to you, the storm will cease. When God's presence comes to you, the storm will cease. The minute he got into the boat, the wind ceased. It stopped. But they failed to consider the lesson of the loaves. Now, you have to remember, this is on the heels of feeding the 5,000. They saw Jesus take a couple small loaves of bread and a couple fish and feed 20,000 people. I know the Bible says 5,000 men, but you, if you include women and children, you're talking 20,000 people. They saw him do this. They saw the fish that was given into his hands that kept feeding the people as much as they wanted. But they failed, the disciples failed to consider the lesson of the loaves because their hearts were callous and dull. It, didn't mean, it doesn't mean that they were away from God. It just means that they had trouble understanding what they needed to understand. They didn't learn the lesson that they needed to learn. Okay? What was the lesson of the loaves? The lesson of the loaves was all natural forces are subject to God's power. In other words, God can do anything that needs to be done. You know, the disciples were telling Jesus, send the people away so that they can, because it's late, it's kind of a, a desolate place that we're in, so that they can go and buy food. And Jesus turned right around and said, you feed them. Whoa, wait a minute, Lord. You want us to feed them? So they began to consider what they had. One disciple considered how much money they had. Another disciple said, well, I have a little boy's lunch, but what is that amongst so many? And Jesus said, bring it to me. And Jesus made the people sit down in, in groups on the grass, and he took the food. He looked up to heaven. He thanked God. He blessed it, and he, he gave it to the disciples who gave it to the people. And they kept feeding and feeding and feeding, and at the end, there was more fish left over than what they started with. So the lesson of the loaves is that all natural forces are subject to Jesus. The lesson of the loaves is that God has power. If, if he can feed the thousands, he can stop the storm and rescue them in the storm. But the disciples, they didn't put two and two together. They saw him feed the people, but they didn't think he could deliver them in the storm. So they kept rowing. They weren't praying. They weren't declaring. They weren't saying. Their hearts were hardened. It just means that they were kind of dull. They weren't as sharp as they needed to be to perceive what God did. It doesn't mean that they were opposed to Jesus. It just simply means that uh, their hardness of heart blocked their understanding. And they were, they were slow to perceive his power. That's why, I mean, 
They were naturally minded. They were focused on the storm. How do I know that? Because they didn't expect God's presence. They, they, were, they thought they were seeing a ghost until he got close enough for them to discern that it was his presence. They did not quickly learn, as they ought to have done, that Jesus had all the power and he could deliver them from the storm. Therefore, they should have been in that boat saying, thank you, God, for helping us. But yet they were just trying to row. They were trying to push through it on their own. You know, sometimes we need supernatural help. We're natural beings. We have limitations. God is supernatural. He doesn't have limitations. So let's expect God's presence to come to us when we need him to. They didn't consider or reflect upon the miracle of the loaves. They, they saw it, they experienced it, but they didn't take it to heart. You know, people can be in the midst of where God is moving and still not take what he's doing to heart. That's what, that's what the disciples did. And, uh, you know, they didn't really realize that nothing was out of his power or his grace. You know, God didn't, I mean, God wanted to teach them about faith. And their, their minds were kind of blinded to the truth. They were dull. They were slow. Um, they, didn't, they weren't able to discern. They didn't acknowledge that, that God could do this thing. And, you know, this is the same story on Matthew's account in Matthew 14, where Peter said, if that's you, Lord, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. And what did Peter do? He acted on the word. He got out of the boat and he started to walk on the water. I don't know how many steps he took, but his goal was to get to Jesus. Jesus was there, standing on the water, waiting for Peter to come. Now, everyone in that boat could have gotten out of that boat and come, but only one did. Peter did. He acted on the word of God. And, but, he didn't make it to Jesus because he started looking at the wind and the waves. You know, it's so easy to lose our distraction in the midst of this. Do you know that on a daily basis that we as a people are bombarded with negativity? There are people with false accusations, false information, and negative things that constantly overtake the airwaves. And the people of God need to rise up and be a positive voice. We need to have positive praise. We need to declare the word of God. We need to rise up and speak something different than what the world is saying. Amen. We need to say Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our deliverer. No harm can come near me. Hallelujah. That's what we need to do. This is how we experience miracles. We can walk in the miraculous. We can always have our focus on God. We don't have to let circumstances that are taking place in life distract us from what God wants to do or what God has done. Amen? No, we need to focus on God. Because it's time for a miracle. America needs a miracle. America needs God to change some people's hearts. 
There's some people who need to repent. Simply just change their heart and surrender all to God. And I'm expecting when this, when we're done with this uh, social distancing thing, I'm expecting the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to explode. Because it's our time. It's time to rise and shine for the Lord. glory of the Lord is upon us. Amen. It's time for us to walk in the power and the goodness of God and the favor of God. I mean, in the Bible, the early church changed cities. The fear of God would fall on cities because of the miracles that they did, the power that they walked in, and the things that people saw. It touched the hearts. I mean, you know, the, the civil leaders tried to keep them down by saying, don't preach about the resurrection. But that they would preach about the resurrection, then they would put them in jail. And then God would move mightily. And that's how we need to walk in today. We need to walk in the miraculous power. It's time for a miracle. Are you with me? Say it with me. Say, it's time for a miracle. Amen. Let's believe God. Let's put our faith out there. Let's give access to God so that he can access us. Let's not walk in fear. Let's walk in faith. Let's declare a thing. Let's decree a thing. Amen. Let's speak the truth in love. And we're going to see God's power will back us up. You know, God confirms his word with signs following. So we got to believe the word. We got to speak the word. And we got to do the word. Amen. No matter what. Let's trust God. It doesn't matter what happens in this world. Let's put our trust in God. Let's put our hope in God. Let's exalt, worship, and praise the Lord. Let's not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. Let's believe together. The church can do great things when it comes together in faith. When the church prayed, God sent angels to deliver Peter from prison. When the church came together and prayed, God shook the building where they were. When the church came together on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got born again in one day in one service. Amen. Hallelujah. It's time for a miracle. Let's speak God's word. Let's be positive in our speech. Let's encourage one another. Let's provoke one another in love and tell, tell people, you know, watch your church online now. But when church comes, when we start meeting back together again, let's be in the house of God. Amen. Encourage one another. Provoke one another. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as you see the day approaching. That's what Hebrews tells us. That's what the Bible tells us. Jesus was a churchgoer. The disciples were churchgoers. They always went to the temple. They were going there to the hour of prayer. So let's be the opposite of the world. Let's live like Christ-like people. Let's be Christians. Not dead religious people. 
you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, most of them walked in a dead religion. They were critical of Jesus. They wanted to find fault in Jesus. They didn't believe, a lot of them didn't believe who he was. Some of them did, though. You know, there were Pharisees who believed in him but were afraid to confess him, and therefore it didn't do him any good. You know, no, as Christians, God's given you a voice, and we need to use our voice to speak the truth in love. We need to use our voice to proclaim the goodness of God, to proclaim his message, which is the gospel. It's good news. I'm so glad that God has called me to bring good news. And I'm so glad that we have an outlet called Victory Christian Fellowship. And I pray that this message has touched your heart tonight. And I want you to know it's time for a miracle. We're going to see miracles happen. We're going to see signs and wonders occur. We're going to see the power of God move in such mighty ways. And I'm glad that you joined us tonight. I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you're lifted, lifted up. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for your word. It is our life source. It is the source of our strength, the source of our hope. It's our anchor to our soul. And Lord, we love your word. And we give you thanks and praise for all your good things. Your word is true. We trust it. We declare it. We live it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.